Okay, hello, uh, hello everyone. Welcome maybe to the full cup. We are just experimenting with uh, recording remotely. Rachel is at her home. We're on a little conference call and hopefully the quality is good enough to just put something out. Well, maybe, maybe not. We just started talking and I decided to start recording unless in case we want to put something out there and this conversation gets real deep. Well, and we were just talking, we have been talking for like 30 minutes trying to figure this out. And I asked Rachel if, you know, we should just record something short about maybe Corona or whatever to get out and just give help to whoever, you know, if we have, if you have anything to say. And then you said there are two things and I cut you off and said, wait, let's start recording. Okay. So two things. Two things that have been very interesting with the current circumstances with COVID-19 and everyone being on quarantine or displaced and disconnected from each other is when it first happened, the response that I would hear um, is people with anxiety work and OCD were kind of saying, yeah, world, this is, you get a little bit of taste of what my life is like 24 seven. So it was really interesting, but also there was a side that was like, Hey world, this is my gig. Like get out. I'm the one right. that's worrying. I'm the one that washes my hands 50 times a day, not you. So it's been kind of an interesting, um, so you're saying like you have people who already are obsessive about things like that who are like yes that we're grateful now that the world gets to kind of have a, a small little taste mm-hmm. of what their life is like all the time and and be able to form maybe some empathy for that but then yeah. there's also some that are a little bit possessive of their experience by saying this is kind of my gig I'm the one that worries about this stuff mm-hmm. I'm the, I'm the one that worries and won't go places and now people around me are acting that way. And it's very alarming and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, no, this is mine. Quit taking my thing. So, um, well, yeah. And it's weird also like from me who will, I mean like wipe her kid's butt and then eat a bite of their peanut butter and jelly. Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I said that only for shock value. Okay. <laughs> In other words, you're not going to invite, if she invites you over for lunch, anybody (laughs) refuse. No, no. It was purely for the shock. Um, But I do eat my kids food for sure. And it's weird because suddenly I'm not. And I'm like, oh, actually you keep that. And actually you can't have a drink of my water. And actually, yeah, just just been more um, uptight about it. And it's good because I think they're all healthy practices to have, but also really hard to enforce. And yeah. And so people with OCD, usually in therapy that are taught to learn to, to strive to live more in the gray instead of the black and white, right? This is now we're in a time where they're saying, no, live black and white. So oh, it's yeah. really confusing to say at certain points in your life, that's not healthy and effective behavior, but right now it is turn it on. Um, It's been kind of crazy, but I will. So typically what I've been talking a lot about with people is when you're in uncertain times, it's looking for things in your life that are reliable, 
consistent, and unconditional. That's been most of the conversations that I've been having. Tell me okay. what what are some things in your life that you have that are consistent? So reliable? I'm just gonna. You started saying that, and I just I'm closing my eyes and really listening intently. So continue on with this free therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Libby, tell me what in your life is consistent, reliable, and unconditional. Um, the first thing I thought of is the sun's going to come up again tomorrow. Mm, That's very consistent. And also, uh, the, the hardest part about my day is like, okay, I'm going to bed. Can't wait for another damn day of this bullshit. Like (laughs) I'm not excited about the wake up, but I know it's coming. So I've been working on trying to like, how can we change this? What can we do that's going to be fun tomorrow? Or what can we do? Um, but ultimately, I haven't been successful. I just kind of okay get through it. Let's tap into something then that I think you might already have within you and see if you can kind of grow it um, to help out in that area. I will say this. Most people will say to me, the most consistent, reliable, and unconditional thing I have is typically a connection with a higher power. Okay. Most people will lead out with that and say, yes, my belief, my faith is consistent. Uh, You know, some people will say, well, my family, my parents, my kids, but that's not always true because in times of isolation, although you know that they're reliable and consistent, they don't have access to you. But a belief in a higher power, typically you can take that anywhere, whatever that belief may be. Um, And if you don't have one, and you desire to have one right now is a great time to grow that in practice. What would you do to grow this, to make it reliable, consistent, and unconditionally available to you? Yes. Right. Yeah. I, um, I mean, after the earthquake and so when Corona hit, I, you know, work in the food industry and work with a lot of potential people who could have been, um, had it. So I got super anxiety, like, oh man, I'm going to have it. I know I have it. Ghost symptoms every day. And, um, I actually like left my husband home and took my kids to my parents have a little house down South. And we just went and stayed in that house until my two weeks were up since the last day I'd worked. And, um, I missed the earthquake and, but, but still like when I was down there, just the anxiety and, it was nothing I have experienced, like not being able to sleep at night, having a stomach ache, which was also so interesting because, you know, the symptoms uh, for Corona, the list is like, can be anything, I swear. Like, of course, there's the fever and cough, right, cough. but it's like, you could have a stomach ache. You could have nausea. You could um, have diarrhea. You could have a sore throat. Uh, first it was like no sneezing, but no sneezing. And then it was like, but you could have a runny nose. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. So anyway, every day I'm like, I know I have it. And Marco Poloing with my family, my parents and my siblings, that was when I heard, I think my brother or my sister-in-law got on and was like, Hey, I mean, yeah, this or this or this might happen. And it was the first time that somebody was like, but this I know. and 
it's not going to matter because of, you know, their beliefs in their higher power and in their plan of like, even if the world ended tomorrow, we're going to be together again and we're going to be okay because of that strong belief they have, which I have, but haven't really nurtured a lot of. So it's not the first place I went to. And still, as you can see, it's not the first place I went to, but over the last few weeks, I have been able to give more attention to it and work a little bit harder in that area, whether it's through prayer or just thinking on things that, you know, are, I believe in, or I want to believe in. And, um, yeah, I mean, we had general conference that was so helpful for me. That was a really awesome time. And this last week of Holy Week and Easter, it's been good, but yeah, still not my go-to. <laughs> right. Well, so let's grow. So that's the first place I hear a lot of people go and it's a very powerful one, really strong one. But one that I found that I think surprises most people when I talk about it is you said, I had anxiety and I kept thinking, oh, I've got a cough. Oh, I kept, I mean, tell me what your anxious self did when you were feeling anxious, you were thinking what? I'm oh sick. yeah. Sorry. That was the other thing I was going to say is I had this stomach illness. And then one day I was like, oh, I think I'm making my, I think this is anxiety. And I didn't know that that was something that happened. Rachel's nodding her head. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but why this is so awesome to identify right now. Okay. Is anxious people right now is your time to shine. An anxious brain seeks reconciliation. It wants to know how to store things, where things fit, how things make sense. And because of that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. So am I yelling? My voice probably sounds really No, you're fine. You're good. Um, But because of an anxious brain typically starts to focus on detail and can grow something out of nothing. A lot of people will say, you know, I I think about this thought and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it feels so big and I know logically it's not true, but my emotions are telling me true. And it's usually, and typically it's connected to negative feelings, negative thoughts. But my point in saying that is an anxious brain knows how to grow and build things. It is creative. It is innovative, typically in a negative sense. So engage in the strengths that come with an anxious brain and rewrite it to something that's helpful. If your brain is telling you, oh my gosh, my nose is sniffy. Oh, my stomach is hurt. Oh no, I must have, and it can start growing it that way. Can you use that same energy, that same thought process to grow it in a helpful way? Yeah. And the point I'm trying to make is you're, you're telling me your brain already had the power to grow. Oh no, my stomach is sick. And what if this, what if that, if it already knows how to do that, can you reconnect that same energy to, Oh, my stomach hurts. You, you changed the way you felt physically through your thoughts and your beliefs, right? Based on what your brain was spinning around. So using that same strength, that an anxious mind has or that anxiety creates in it, how do you apply that to something that makes you feel well instead of sick? Okay. So you're saying like my brain can make me sick. So my brain can also make me well. Yes. 
And, and so coming back to saying, this is what anxious brains have been training for. Anxiety is consistent for people that have it. They understand this. It is consistent. It is reliable and it is unconditional. Now, I don't think they would typically connect those words to it because most people are like, why is this here again? I hate this. Get rid of this. But I will tell you, it shows up at all times, morning or night. It can show up when you're at work. It can show up when you're at church. It can show up when you're asleep. It can show up when you're with your kids. It's pretty uh, consistent. Right. Right. And reliable. Um Going back to, and this is something that I hope we can do a podcast on in the future, because I've talked about leaning into that anxious voice and um, building a relationship with it. And I typically do that with my clients through chair work or gestalt work, because I believe all of our behaviors are motivated by need. And so even our anxious mind is there for a purpose. And typically when we do work, we find out it's there. Most people can connect a level of protection. If my anxiety makes me believe if I, I have to be the best at something, it means people will like me because I, I'm worthy of being liked or I'm performing well or whatever the anxious thoughts wrap around, it's a level of protection to make sure that you're nurtured or loved or protected or, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So if anxiety shows up, increased heightened anxiety that is causing you to actually say, I, I'm thinking about this so much and there's so much fear, it's causing me physical sickness. Mm-hmm then can you grow a connection to a feeling so great that it causes well-being? And so tying back into that, um, anxious brains focus on detail. They typically will get a thought and it will start ruminating and that grows and grows and grows almost to where it can become untruthful, where they can yeah. say, well, this isn't going to happen, but my emotions keep telling me it's going to happen. So it, it focuses on detail, but it's also very creative and very innovative. Because it can get you to start to believe things that logically, you know, may not be true. Right. But, but typically that goes in a negative direction. So can we engage our brains and retrain, use the strengths that the anxious brain already exists with? And this is what we do in chair work is trying to retrain our anxious brain to be helpful instead of hurtful. So give me an example. Okay. So if we identify that an anxious brain is there to protect you, and in a time of chaos of COVID and earthquakes and all of this, it's telling you what? When you were laying, when you were at mom and dad's place away from everyone for two weeks, trying to make sure you weren't sick, you were thinking, what? I might have COVID. What if I have COVID? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? What if I've gotten people sick? I mean, what what were you thinking at the time? Um, Okay. So I was thinking, well, so part of why I went down there is because I felt like my parents weren't, sorry, mom and dad weren't taking it very seriously in the beginning. And I was worried I was going to get them sick. So, um, I went down there and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get my parents sick, but dang it. I'm going to get all my kids sick and we're going to be stuck in this house. Hi. You have to go ask dad upstairs. Aww. Aww. Close the door. <laughs> he wants to be a part. And this he is a guest, a, part. a guest speaker. Yeah, a guest speaker. And that was Scout. So then I thought, I'm going to be stuck down here. Like I'd feel myself getting sick in the middle of the night and be like, what am I going to do? I mean, people die with this disease and I'm going to be stuck in St. George with all my kids and not wake up. And they're going to have their mom down here. <laughs> so 
the okay. only person with them. Um, it, I mean, it can go on and on. I, I went many places with it, but whatever. This was right in the beginning before like we were even down to hanging out with 10 people, right? It was like the day school was canceled, I left. And, um, but then I thought about, well, and if I go home, my husband's been at work and what if we aren't sick, then he's going to get us all sick. Um, yeah, it just kind of spiraled. Okay. And so what you're saying is your brain had the ability to hide, to focus on that mm-hmm. and on small details in it that grew it bigger and, grew it more, and grew it, um, to places that, may not have necessarily been true possibly yeah but it it grew it in one direction right what i'm what i'm suggesting is when you lean into creating a relationship with your anxious self you can actually work to retrain its efforts in helping you better now something about an anxious brain that people forget is anxious brains don't just sit back and then go oh shit everybody's sick oh well or my house collapsed in an earthquake dang it Oh, something happens. Oh, well, no, their brain starts going and starts spinning going. And what if, and what if, and what if, which means there's a level of determination, Mm -hmm. a level of motivation. I feel like they're prepared whether, yeah, whether physically, maybe more emotionally than someone who isn't anxious. Exactly. Because there is strength that comes from an anxious brain, uh, which most people I see in my office are in there because they hate it and they want to kill it and get rid of it and never want to do anything with it again. And I always say to them, let's actually strengthen the relationship you have with the anxious brain so you can train it to work for you, not against you. Right now in a time of uncertainty, having an anxious brain that works for you, like watch out. There is so much power behind it's, it's detail innovation. Right. I like how you said that it has, it pays attention to detail because yeah, in a positive light, okay. You know, you can think about the things you can do to be prepared. And if you can pay attention to those details that, you know, you can get yourself. And not just being prepared, but even re- putting yourself somewhere else where there's peace. Yeah. If you can picture yourself laying in the, be- in, in bed, with totally sick and no support with your kids, even though that is not happening, can you also use that same energy in your brain to picture yourself on the beach in Hawaii, drinking a pina colada, feeling the sunshine down and strengthening it, even though it's not true, your brain is showing you it can create and produce thoughts that may not necessarily be true. So how do we use it to exist in ones that are actually helpful? It can be existing somewhere else to find peace, or it can be um, using it to engage in a thought that's motivating in a helpful way. Well, what is something that can help me make feel connected with my children or connected with my parents as I'm as I'm distant from them? Create anxious brain. Give me some tips there. Right. Right. So again, it's right now is a time where those people that have this this in them that they have fought and hated. I'm saying now's your time. Like yeah. here's the time to shine, anxious self. Get in here. Um, let me help you help me better. And it, I, I do have to say this. The first step in learning to do that is recognizing why your anxious brain is there. If we identify it's there to protect you, that's a level of help, which generally makes you shift this belief of hating it and going, wow, well, that's kind of kind. 
it's here to help me. It's not very good at it, but it's, it's here to help. So let me help it learn how to help me better. And so what happens is when it starts yapping, first of all, just recognize it for why it's there. Oh, you're here to help. Thanks. I actually need some help. I'm sitting here alone with my four kids or I'm not sure what's going on out in the world. This is very different. I need some help. It doesn't mean you have to keep listening to what it's saying. When it starts to talk, I don't know if I've said this before. I believe I have. I believe anxious brains show up to empower us when we are not consciously empowered. It's our subconscious stepping in to do it out of help. And when the subconscious steps in, I feel like that's when it gets a little wonky. It starts to behave in ways that aren't always effective. But again, its motivation is good. It's there to protect and to help. So when it shows up, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to listen to what it's saying, but recognize why it's there. It's there to help you. So now give it suggestions of how it can help you. Is it? Is, you can have a conversation. I tell that's what we do in my office. Put it in the chair. You sitting here telling me that I'm going to die alone with my four kids and what are they going to do? That's not helpful. So if you're trying to protect me to keep my kids protected, let's come up with some better ideas. What are some better things? As I'm down here in St. George, or I don't know if you want me to say where you were. Sorry. Oh, I already said it. <laughs> um, I tried to be there. inconspicuous, but we <laughs> well, all know, I know I'm I an open book. Fan club stalking you, but um, but have, <laughs> having the uh, and you do have a fan club because I hear it all no. the time. <laughs> False Libby, people love you. Um, but again, saying, work with me, that's not helpful. You saying that, that hurts me. That makes me more nervous. If you're here to protect me, being nervous doesn't help me. Use your energy to help me find things that, for reconciliation. How do I store and, and process through what's going on? Mm-hmm. What can I do? What can I be empowered to do? You want me to protect myself? Great. I will do it consciously so I don't need you to step in. And if it still tries to step in, it's it's creating that relationship. Talk with your anxious self as you would your sister, your friend, put them right there next to you, lean into that relationship, get to know why they're there, what they're trying to tell you, why they want you to hear that, what you think about what they're telling you, what you'd like to tell them and how the two of you work together to find the reconciliation that you're seeking. Yeah. So often when anxiety shows up, people, because it's uncomfortable, run and go, crap, you're here. Okay. What? Never mind. Never mind. Or they avoid it. I try to keep busy so I don't ever feel it. And I don't want to think it. I'm saying give it its space, retrain it to use all of those strengths, a creative mind, an innovative mind, a determined mind, a a motivated mind, a mind seeking reconciliation that focus on details. That is helpful, especially when there's chaos around. Um, You just have to set boundaries around it. And so right now. And and it's your perception. I'm reminded of the um, TED talk you sent us today. I actually didn't get to finish it, but there was a part where the guy talked about how your perception is your reality. And if you perceive your anxiety as a nightmare, that's your reality. If you can perceive it as something to help you and protect you and work with you, then that can be your reality. Anyway. So helpful. And that's what we talked about in the first podcast I did on anxiety, I believe I talked about alternative truths. Uh-huh. That's exactly what that is. It's changing perspective. And that TED Talk, yeah, my awesome friend Terry sent that to me. And it's... Um, Yo, Terry. Te- She's listening. Yeah. Terry. <laughs> Hi, Terry. Uh, she really is one of the greatest humans you'll ever meet. 
but it's it's the um, it's a TED talk by a photographer that used to work for National Geographic, and he talks about perspective and how it changes. I mean, he can take a picture of something, use a different lens, which shifts the perspective, and how it changes the picture completely, right? And so, talking about what per- perspectives we exist in to find what's good in the world instead of just existing in what's scary in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I want to tell a little bit more about that. He ta- he talks about how he's like, I don't know, somewhere in Europe, Iceland, or is that Europe actually? I don't even know. Somewhere where was he? Where he was taking the pictures of the green field, and it was dandelions everywhere. And he was like, "Uh, I'm not feeling this today. Definitely not." So he was like, "I'll come back tomorrow." So he went back tomorrow, and all the dandelions had turned to fuzzy balls. Puff and he yeah. puff balls and he was like super disappointed right was that what he was saying like i thought dandelions were bad now this is bad and then he just started taking pictures and laying down and they show this picture he took of one of them and it is Glorious. the most amazing photograph you've ever seen with the sun it's like in the head the head of the puff ball is the sun right behind it. So it's just shining these rays shining through this tiny, ordinary, stupid weed. And it's so beautiful. And yeah. And his perspective, exactly. He just changed his lens, changed his perspective and, and became, yeah, it was very inspirational talk. It was awesome. Yeah. So it's called what is right with the world. It's a Ted talk. Um, And I believe his name is Hewitt. Oh, I cannot remember. But what is right with the world? If you look on YouTube, um, on his yeah, you should watch it. But it is super powerful and talking about just changing perspective. So anxiety—that's what I'm talking about here. Identify its strengths that it gives to you, and and change the perspective and the way that you connect with them and start to use them in ways that are helpful instead yeah. of hurtful. And when you can learn to do that, you change. The existence, it's existence of anxiety where it can become a strength. And right now is the perfect practicing ground to do that. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So that was just a quick thought. That's I have. awesome. For increased anxiety. Anyone that's experienced it, first seek for what is consistent, what's reliable, what's unconditional. If you don't have anything that feels that way, it's a great time to lean into that and start growing it. Yeah, this is a good time for a lot of growth to be happening and to find beauty in the mundane and the boring. I keep relating my life. I'm like, I feel like I'm on Little House on the Prairie. And I know I'm not because I have running water and electricity. But on that show, they're just the family in the house. And what brings them joy? Is it the friends they play with every day? No, because that little girl is a biatch that's the one friend. Oh, the worst. <laughs> I always felt like if I met met Nellie Olson in life, I would feel bad because I would probably punch her in the face because she's that good of an actress. I'm sure in real life she was a wonderful right. person, but I was just convinced if I met her, I would still hate her guts. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like I just have been thinking like that show has always been so wonderful and happy and heartfelt. And I'm like, this is my life right now because we are together as a family. You know, that show, they work as a family. They learn the mom's home teaching them. I mean, they go to school, but 
their mom's teaching them. They're working. They're just playing out in their land, in their yard, um, which is what we're doing. And it's, but we also have, you know, social media and video games and all of these other things. But ultimately, I just have found myself being bored so much. And I'm like, it's so interesting because I just need to change my perspective because there have been a lot of amazing times, wonderful times where we have been creative. And um, so my birthday, actually, and I wanted to say this earlier. Sorry, I'm tangenting a lot. We were you were talking about. I don't even know, but it made me think of when I think dad or you talked about how basically imagination and reality have the same effect on your brain. Like they give you the same endorphins, whether it's real or you're imagining it, it affects your brain exactly the same. Do you remember something like that? Well, I have, yes, but I have talked about how a lot of reality begins in fantasy and how when we exist in it enough, it can become authentic and genuine to us because they do have the same power. But I I don't know if one of us spoke about that. Okay. So you probably both have spoken about it. But um, so my birthday was on March 30th and we had bought tickets to, am I going to get emotional? (laughs) Of course, wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't. We'd bought tickets to California and um, plane tickets. Our kids had never flown on a plane and we were so excited to check them out of school and drive them to the airport and surprise them. And on March 30th, I had a Duffy boat rental um, to take out and drive. You just, it's a little Duffy boat that you rent and go around like Balboa Island and Lido Island and you can drive it around for a couple hours. And that's what we were going to do on my birthday. And my birthday came and my daughter and kids made this boat out of cardboard and had fake pina coladas and turned on Bob Marley and, um, like started, they were like, come sit down, mom. And they started this music and started hula dancing and set up this boat. And they were like, come get in the boat. And we were just dancing. And I was like, it really felt as good as it would have felt being on the real boat. And I was just like, I am so grateful for my children and their imaginations and their play that allows me to feel that amazing same feeling I would have felt if I was there. And of course it was even better because they were so thoughtful and sweet about it. But um, that was like one of the wonderful times of this, of this uh, coronation. I want to remember those times and embrace the little house on the prairie-esque life of just being together and finding joy in what work out working in the yard sitting around reading a book. Like it's hard for me because our lives are so busy and it's what the norm is, but, but it's been a really good challenge that I'm grateful for to try to change that lens and view it in a positive, awesome way. Cause I know it's going to pass and we're going to be right back to our busy lives and think back on it of how it was to just be quiet and calm. Yeah, you know, during this time, there's this Instagram account called History Cool Kids that my oldest daughter introduced me to, and it's been so interesting. Oh, so good. You've been reading it, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Even just going back, they've been posting about the Spanish flu. Or did you see the 
the masks the doctors mm-hmm. wore to keep for this the plague. Alive. Yes, the plague masks, and um, it's been interesting as I I feel like just reading that has given me little tidbits of history that I didn't know about previous you know health challenges that the world's faced and their creativity and innovation and how um, I don't know there's kind of a connection in thinking. I, looking at those pictures, I would think, oh, we'll never have to to face any of that because of where we are in technology and medicine and all that. But it's interesting to think that we are part of something that has existed throughout history and, and what's going to be our story that comes out of it. When you were talking about Little House on the Prairie, first of all, yay for Carolyn because she got to go home with Michael Landon at the end of the day, right? And so, come on. <laughs> but, well, now I just lost my thought <laughs> when I thought about Michael Landon. Sorry, I was saying... <laughs> He's very distracting. You were saying Little House on the Prairie. You're going to find it. It's going to come to you. Maybe. I feel like it was something about pioneering our own experience through this. Uh... Yeah. Well, it's... Sorry, and hopefully this will come back to you, but I also have just felt like, you know, Grandma went through the Great Depression, and I just, like, thought back on history, like, when has something like this happened? You know, people have had hard times. I just, I mean, we had the kind, the market crash in 2008 or 2009, but this is, feels very different to me. And I mean, we, that was a hard time for us. (laughs) Very, the, up to our, up to that point in life, that was the hardest time that we'd had in our family and marriage. But um, this is just different. It's not, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's definitely. Well, and I and, and know this, that anxiety is the opposite of choice. Fear is the opposite of choice. So to flex your ability to choose during anxious times, choosing your perspective is a powerful way of doing that because sometimes you can't choose your circumstances. You can't choose, you know, I have friends who are self-employed that are not working right now and there's a lot of shoulders or a lot of weight on their shoulders as to what that's going to look like for their families. But I hear them pulling things out that they find that they're so grateful and joyful for, even amongst that fear. And so anxiety, usually um, when I talked about rewriting it, using it for a strength, where we get stuck is when it stops our ability to choose. Suddenly all of this doom and gloom has happened and therefore I'm stuck in this scariness and I don't have ability to choose something else. And so looking for a way to choose. And even if it's just choosing a different perspective, you're flexing choice back agency back to the fear and saying, no, you don't get to be the loudest. I don't have to be stuck here. I can choose something different, even if it's just the way that I see it, the way I connect with it. Um, and, and, you know, what I take from that. Yeah. And that's really interesting too. um, Just because, you know, dad always talks about agency and love and not having agency. um, You know, that's Satan's plan. And it's, uh, I've thought a lot about that just through this epidemic of like fear. And I was thinking about, um, I don't know if where you hear about like Satan saying like, I will put fear in their hearts. And, and it's just like, Oh, Oh, that's what he wants to do. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. So I want to do everything I can to be on the side of the um, Republic. (laughs) Is that a Star Wars thing? (laughs) 
You don't want to be with the Senate. You don't want to be with Senator Palpatine. No, I want to see he's putting fear into everyone, but there's so much light and hope on the other side. And that's the side I want to be on. And um, I also. Well, so that going back to the point of don't letting your anxiety get you stuck in fear. Use its strengths yeah, to don't, identify. Don't Hold letting. Don't. That's what you just <laughs> Okay. Do not let anxiety get you stuck in the fear. Use yes. its strengths to help you find the hope, which is reusing re- its strengths in a different direction. Be creative and innovative on the side of hope and belief in goodness and not just existing in fear. And you're flexing your ability back to choose. So that's yeah. time to work with it. And that when I was going through my hard while, you were very helpful in that, in that I was realizing like, what can I control? Well, I'm reading the news every day and it's making my anxiety skyrocket, but is it making me not get sick? No. So why am I reading it? Like I need to do the things I can do to stay healthy and that's it. I don't need to keep up on the numbers of who's this or who's what, because that is not helping. If I've decided like, yeah, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to socially distance. I'm going to be clean and whatever. That's what I can do. And that will help me. Here's what doesn't help me. Yeah. Reading horror stories all day long. (laughs) And it doesn't help when you have them coming at you through Marco Polo and every other outlet. Um, But also being healthy, there's physical, like you said, emotional health affects your physical health. So it's not just about keeping clean and keeping quarantine, but finding ways to exist in things that make you feel good because that affects your physical health as well. Your emotions do. Your your biology, your psychology, your sociology, and your spirituality, they all work together. So focusing, and, and that can be, what am I going to do today? I'm going to focus on something in all four of those areas to make sure that I am as strong as I can be, not out of fear, out of choice to be empowered in those areas. Yeah, that's a good reminder because those are definitely out of balance for me and probably for a lot of people because it's just, we're just adjusting still to this new way. And it's more of like survival mode, you know, just for right now. So that's a good reminder. Oh, and I remember what I was going to say about Little House on the Prairie. Yay. And if it doesn't fit anymore, you can, you know, but I was thinking how often in that show too, did they, did the mother say, go take these to so-and-so who was the guy that saying old man Tucker was a fine old man, washed his face with a frying pan, combed his hair with a wagon wheel, that toothpick in his hill. You know who I'm talking about? The guy, the the old, yeah, that came on Christmas. Yes. Yeah. With the black beard that was one of the main characters. I don't know. They were always like, go out and find him. Go. They, so why I was thinking about that is also it's a great time to reach out to those that you know might be isolated, that might need an extra connection. You don't need to reach out to them in person by showing up, but calling them writing them a letter. I mean, how long has it been since you've handwritten a letter or something to the effect of also using that motivation, that creative brain in ways to be helpful to not just to yourself, but to others. So, yeah, totally. I love it. Cool. Thanks, Rach. Guess what I got in the mail today? A ring that is gorgeous. Oh, yes. And 
a lino cut from Quinn B. No way. Yeah, I commented and asked him if I could get one, and he just sent it to me. Quinn? Quinn! I know. And guess what? He asked for a new episode, so. That's awesome. Aw, lucky you. I know. I, well, and just how sweet of that. Like, that was an act of service from him that totally changed the whole mood of this Monday that I was dreading. So it was very much appreciated. Yes, because he was aware of you. Yeah. So do reach out to those people. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Taking donations. Okay, well, that was awesome, Rach. I'm glad we did that. I hope it works out and sounds okay enough. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, leave us an Apple review if you haven't. And stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay home. Enjoy your corona Bye.